Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Well, we're just getting started this morning. Hope you don't have lunch plans. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a joy for Sally and I to be back uh, with you here at Generations to Cheer in the wonderful state of Victoria. And uh, to those watching online, to those that are here, it's just a joy and privilege. I'm going to honor Father by continuing in what God wants us to do here today. And I'm letting you know ahead of time that God's going to do something deep in the hearts of any and everyone that has a heart posture towards God. Anyone have a heart posture towards God? We, We must not approach Sunday as a place where we just go to hang out with some Christians, sing some songs and hear a message. It's not the point of Sundays. Sundays actually, in many ways, shouldn't be different to Mondays or Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays or Fridays. Maybe part of our issues were made Sundays the God day and the other days our days. He created the first day, said it's good. The second day, the third day, God made every day. And every day is to be a holy day. A holy day. Why? Because he's a holy God. And I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to share what's on the heart of God. Then we're going to respond. And I believe not only in this church and in your life individually in this church, but over this region, something's going to shift today. How many people think sometimes things need to shift? Sometimes we're releasing the positive without dealing with the things that are actually need to be dealt with. The Bible talks about a story about the strong man. He goes, first you must go in and bind the strong man and then you can plunder his goods. And the Bible talks about binding and loosing in, the, in Matthew 16. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And sometimes we want to loose, we want to release joy. We want to release peace. We want to release things into people's lives. And how many people know that we should do that? Amen. But sometimes we need to take authority over. We need to repent of. We need to, we need to deal with some things. And I know that I know that I know that I know in my spirit that this day is on God's calendar, not just Jeremy and Jacinda, Steve and Sally's in your calendar. This is on God's calendar. There are Kairos moments. There are moments in God that God says, I have appointed this particular time. But how we respond determines the fruit of what God wants to do. Sometimes we're blaming God for a lack of response from us. God, you haven't done, you haven't done. He goes, hang on, I've been prompting your heart. I've sent you people, come on. I've sent you people, I've spoken things into your world. Today is one of those days. I'm saying it in a weighty way because I feel it in my heart today. I've got a bit I want to download, but I I want to do that. And then we're going to, I'm going to get Sarah to come on the keys and I'm I'm just going to open it up for response for every person that wants to respond to God, just so you know ahead of time. And I believe God's going to do something and break something even over this region. I believe there's spiritual opposition over this region. There is major. I've been coming here for probably close to 15 years, this region in different places. And there is too much that I can see the fingerprints of the enemy. And I'm not just talking in the world. I'm talking even amongst Christians and in the churches. 
And God says today is a day where we're going to, there's going to be some house cleaning. How many people know that house cleaning is, while you might not necessarily like it, it's not a sign that everything's bad. It's just that you live in things and sometimes things need to be clean. Cleaning things is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And so today, you might say, well, oh, this is all, lean in and hear what the Lord wants to say to us today. I pray the Spirit of God just continues to speak. In Proverbs 29, verse 18, we read, where there is no revelation or the word is the no vision, what you see. Revelation, vision is what you see. It's not just what you hear. How many people know that vision is your sight? Yeah, talk to me, church. Come on. It's not your hearing. It's your sight. Faith comes by hearing, but fulfillment comes by seeing. Fulfillment, stepping into what God has said, comes when we are seeing from God's perspective. Vision is what we see. Perspective is how we see it in connection to something else. And we need to have the perspective of from our Father in heaven, not just me on earth. Not just my problems, my situations. God, I want to see from our Father in heaven. I want to see from your perspective. And I want to see on earth as it is in heaven. But it says where there is no vision, when the people of God don't have the sight of God, then people cast off restraint. People dwell carelessly. People live for themselves and and do things that otherwise they would not do. But blessed, everyone say blessed. blessed. Everyone say blessed. blessed. Blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions. Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. And when we are listening to the Holy Spirit, I tell you right now, your life is blessed. Not easy, blessed. Let's not confuse blessing and ease. They're not the same. Amen. Amen. Paul's writing from a prison cell having been beaten and, and, and just and, and tortured and, and shipwrecked and bitten by snow. Mate, the amount of things that that man went through. Yeah, he's saying, he's writing to the church saying, come on, rejoice in the Lord always. Come on. Again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. You're in prison, Paul. Get a, re- get a grip on reality. I, he goes, I do. I have a grip on a higher reality. I have a grip on the fact that I am born again by the Spirit of God. And God lives on the inside of me. I'm singing the King of glory. I'm not seeing these chains as the primary. I'm seeing the fact that I'm held by the arms of God, not held by chains. Our vision is imperative, but our perspective is also imperative. From what view are we seen? And I want to talk about the church that I see. And I'm just going to read these through. As I was praying for you guys and leaning in, God just started to show me a picture of where he wants to take us as a church. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to receive it? Come on, if you are listening to this, only with your ears, it's going to be, okay, fine. Yep, that's fine. No, no, no. Spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. Lean in. Lean in and receive it. And if these things spark anything in you, come on. Let it come out of your mouth. Lord, that's what we want to be. That's what we want to be. Without the vision, we will cast off restraint. We will dwell carelessly. But God says, I want you to heed wisdom's instruction. I see a church where every face is lifted to heaven in adoration, awe, and wonder. 
I saw this in my spirit. I saw this in my spirit where every face is lifted towards heaven. How many people know we lift, need our vision lifted from earth to heaven? We need it lifted from earth to heaven. I just get the Lord's just showing me right now. You know the story when Stephen was being stoned to death? What, where was his face? He was looking towards heaven. When we're in our difficulty, where is our face looking? When we're going through persecution and opposition, where are we looking too often? We're looking here. We're looking here. Stephen's literally been stoned to death and he's seen the glory of the Lord and talking about the glory of the Lord to those who are persecuting him. What are you talking about? What are you looking at when you are being persecuted, when you're going through challenging, difficult situations? I see a church where every face is lifted to heaven in adoration, awe and wonder. I see a church where every hand is raised in worship and in full surrender. Can I just say, uh, Sally told me about a quote from A.W. Tozer that she heard recently. She says, most Christians don't go out and lie during the week. They just come to church and sing lies. I surrender all, but I'm, no, 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 this is mine, this is mine. I'm not giving that to God. We don't say it, but we do it. That's called lying. Hmm. We wouldn't say it, but we sing it. God, all to you, all to you I surrender. I, I want to I encourage us because I see a church where every hand is raised in worship and full surrender. Is there anything magical, and I use that word in the context here, or mystical about raising your hands? No, but in the same way that out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart the body moves come on Jesus hung on a cross and many Christians we we don't we don't even want to lift our hands and surrender because we're uncomfortable since when has being uncomfortable become the criteria for what believers do but it's that epidemic portions in the church I don't want to ever push beyond what God is doing in the church, but I do want to be pushing where God is pushing and where God is leading, where God is drawing. And as I said before, the, the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I just went out just briefly to the bathroom before. The Holy Spirit just said, if we, if, if we can't lift our hands in here, there's no way we'll ever speak for God out there. If in a place where most people in here are believers and we say we love God and we do love God, but we're not comfortable to pray out loud. We're not comfortable to lift our hands. How, how has the world got any hope of a church that is so bold and, and filled with the Holy Ghost that we're willing to testify about the goodness of God? I see a church where the manifest glory of the Lord is present, present and Evident, I said president, and maybe that's what he needs to be as well. He needs to be president, prime minister, and king, amen? The Lord God needs to be. But the glory of God is the manifest glory of God is present and evident. And I don't just mean in the corporate. I mean when I'm in my own home, when I'm driving. Come on, church. We're not called to just a, just some sort of symbolic 
relationship with the mystical out there God. Moses himself said, crying out to the Lord, said, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go anywhere. Unless your presence goes with us in Exodus. We don't want to go. And the Lord promised, I will go with you. How many people in this room know the Lord has promised to you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. How many people know that Emmanuel literally means what? God with us. Wherever I go, Psalm 139, if I go to the other side of the world, if I go to the heights, if I go to the depths, you are there. How many people know that God is with you? We must not be content where God is with me without His manifest glory and presence in our life. The reality is God is as close to every unsaved person as He is to every saved person because God is bigger than time and space. But Moses said, when God says, I will go with you, he goes, that's awesome. But now would you show me your glory? I'm not content with just your presence being with me. I want to I encounter the majesty and the weight of who you are. This is a church that I see. A church where we can't even stand under the presence of God. Many people go, oh, I don't want that. That's a bit too out there. That's actually normal. That's what we are created for. We're created to live in the presence of God in a way that is it's like fully consuming. We're caught up in the glory. We're caught up into the realm of the Spirit where we see the Lord. We encounter the Lord. That's not for just some whole super spiritual few. God says, I want to pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Come on, in the last days, I want to pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Are you part of all flesh? I want to pour out my spirit. Oh, God, I'm a sucker. I see a church, a pure church without spot, blemish or impurity. How many people know we've got a little ways to go? I see a church without spot, blemish or impurity. And we're going to come and lean into that a little bit further. I see a joy-filled church full of life, hope and peace. How many people are glad? And understand by way of revelation that being a pure church without spot, blemish or impurity and being a joy-filled church are not opposites. How many people know that passionate people you can be joy-filled and peace-filled at the same time. The fruit of the Spirit, it's not you can have this part now, but oh, you're being a bit joyful right now, so I'll hold on the peace, or you're, you're at peace right now, so I won't give you joy right now. Let's not divide God up into segments. Come on, the fullness, the fullness of who He is. I see a faith-filled church oh, embracing the future with steps of courageous obedience and complete trust. Anyone say, I've got a little ways to go. I do. I've, I've got ways to go on this. If, if anything I'm saying, you're, you, you're feeling a stirring in your heart. God, I want to go deeper in that. Then when we go to respond soon, that's when you're going to come. That's when we're going to gather together as the church and God's going to break something. Amen. I see an expanding church. I hate it when I hear people say, I don't like big churches or I don't like small churches or I don't like this churches. Somehow like it's your church. 
somehow like it's all about you. As long as there's lost people, we need more churches and more growing churches. Jesus did not come. God did not send his only son into the church. He sent him into the world. I came to seek and save the lost, not just to love on the found. I'll leave the 99 to go looking for the one. We need more Bible-believing, spirit-filled, joy-filled, peace-filled, holiness-filled, Holy Spirit-filled churches of people that are ablaze with the glory and the fire of the Holy Ghost. I don't want people coming into a lot of our churches because nothing's different to out there. I want the holiness of God to invade the church. Don't sanitize it to the part that God leaves the building. But we've got to be careful with unbelievers coming in. Come on. 3,000 got saved when there was fire from heaven, shaking, wind blowing, tongue speaking, and 3,000 people got saved. Don't tell God that we need to make it all nice and Coming. I see an expanding church where the river of life is flowing from the throne of God through this house. Come on, generations through this house and into the streets and into the businesses and into the neighborhoods. I see this church being a lighthouse in this region where per, whose purpose is to warn people of danger and to guide them safely on their way. I see a great harvest of souls. Come on, church. You need to be adding your amen a bit more. Or are you happy with just you? I see a great harvest of souls. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. I see a great harvest of souls which causes all of heaven to celebrate. And it causes you as a people to celebrate with overflowing joy and gratitude to God for all that he is doing. I see you in a significantly larger church building. And even that becomes full to overflowing and requires further action to be taken. Some people say we've still got room or it's not about the building. No, it's not about a building, but it's about the people. And if there's people coming and as they're growing and expanding church because lost people are being found, we don't just need church shuffling. We need unsaved encountering God. This place is far too small. And if you don't believe that, you need to enlarge your vision to a God-sized vision. God says build before you need, but you're already at a place of need. It's time. It's time. I have to say this because I saw, I specifically see part of the building as an A-frame or a pitch roof part of it. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm saying it because I saw it. I heard the Lord say, and this is all under the significantly larger church building. God is in the details and I hear him say, build according to the pattern I have given you. Church, don't shrink down what seems impossible in order to make it more reasonable or more attainable. Don't remove your opportunity for a miracle. 
Lord said to me only last week, he says, if it's not impossible, then you don't need a miracle. If it's not impossible, then you don't need a miracle. Come on. My God is a miracle working God. Is your God a miracle working God? That means he needs some opportunities that are impossible. With man, this is impossible, but not with God because all things are possible. Come on. I spoke the word. I spoke the word and the worlds were formed. Don't tell me I can't do it, says the Lord. Even when it comes to building expansion, don't let be budget-driven, be faith-driven. Church, listen to me. I'm prophesying right now. Don't be budget-driven, be faith-driven. Don't confuse stewardship with provision. God's the provider. We simply steward what He gives us. Don't buy into the lie that says you have to have it all worked out before you can take the first step of faith and obedience. And I heard the Lord say, run with the vision of your pastor. He carries my heart. Run with the vision of your pastor. Jeremy and Jacinda, run with the vision of your pastor. They carry my heart, says the Lord. Some of you need to change your view of your pastors. They carry the heart of the Lord. I rebuke some of you that have criticized them. It's time to repent and get on board. Do not speak against the Lord's anointing. I know people can say, hang on, context and do this. Come on. What is God prophetically saying is time for the church. And I mean the church across the globe, but right now in this region, to come together. There's been a spirit of disunity that needs to be broken today. A spirit of Christian against Christian and speaking and gossiping and slander. It's got to stop. Across the region and multiple churches, it's time to stop. Your church vision says, I will build my church through you. Say it with me. I will build my church through you. The Lord said to me, your church vision, I will build my church through you, is to become a literal reality. There is a place for every person to be part of bringing the vision into tangible reality. The vision of the bigger building, the vision of everything else I've said, and I've left these, you'll have all these with you, Jeremy, you can circulate it to the church, you can pray into it, you can put it on the wall, you can start to declare it. How many people think that would be good? Push some of these things on your wall. Come on, this is the church I see, this is the church I see, this is where we're going, this is where we're going. But the Lord says there is a place for every person to be part of bringing the vision into a tangible reality. I see every person with a tool in their hand asking the question, where can I serve the vision of this house? I see a personal agenda taking a backseat to God's kingdom agenda of advancement and of acceleration. And I see questions of why and why not being replaced by statements of what can I do? In order... To see the vision fulfilled, God wants to clean the house today. I heard the Lord say, remove obstacles to seeing this vision become fulfilled. If this is true, this pure church, this faith-filled church, this joy-filled church, this expanding church, this soul-winning church, generations, and the churches in this region, if that is true, then what needs to be removed in order for us to reach that goal? I saw a picture of a stain on the carpet. 
And I heard the Lord immediately say to me, it's just a, there's a stain on the carpet. I saw the stain in this big house. And I heard the Lord say, you don't sell your home because there's a stain on the carpet. Let the Spirit of God speak to us right now. What do you do? You clean the stain. Or for some of you, you put a rug over the stain. And that's what we're doing spiritually. God says it's time to remove the stain. But sometimes what we do is we grab a carpet. I don't want to deal with that right now, so we put a rug on it, over it. Anyone ever done that in your life? I've done that in my life many times. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too painful. It's unfair. I shouldn't have to go through this. They did this. Come on, church. Can we get real? So what we do is we cover over, keep on going. Hopefully sometime it will just go away. How many people know it doesn't just go away? But God showed me the picture of the, 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 the rug over the stain. If it's there long enough, we forget the stain's there until the rug's removed. And then you're reminded. And the Lord will come to us today and say it's time to remove, clean the stain and not just cover it over with something. But the stain still remains. Father wants to remove all stains today. And it's not just the stains of sin, although it is the stains of sin. It's the stains of regret. It's the stains of apathy. It's the stain. Anything that's going to stop us to step into and fulfill the vision. I'm so, so grateful that Jesus did not die for me like I live for him. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't die for you like you and I sometimes live for him? I don't really feel like it today. It's too hard today. I'm too busy. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't have that mentality? How many people have received grace from Jesus? How many people have received life from Jesus? It's time for us to live for him like he died for us. Anything not of God today must go. So I wonder if you can come whenever you can. Every action, every attitude, every repeating pattern that is not of God must be cleaned out today. And I heard the Lord say, for many repentance is required before the next steps can be taken. Sometimes when there's things going on in our life, we're looking, we're looking at other people and the things that they need to do differently, that they need to do differently, that maybe we need to do differently. And sometimes is that required? Yes, but many times the change that we desire starts with repentance. But here's the problem. We've made repentance a bad thing, not a good thing. We think I only need to repent if I do something really big. No, no, no. Repentance is on anything that we miss the mark. Attitudes, actions. There's things that Sally and I both said to each other and to other people, we have never repented more than we have in the last eight, ten months. Not because we're worse people, but because we're drawing closer to God. So the closer you get to Him, the more even little things God says, hey, let's turn away from that. If you're never repenting, you're probably really not godly. You're probably really not close to God because in, the, in, in, in that, come on, Isaiah was a prophet. I saw the Lord. What's his response? I've, come on, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. 
The result of that was not condemnation. You're terrible. How, how could you? No, no, no. The seraphim came down, took a coal from the altar. Come on, the fire of God touched his tongue, removed his guilt, removed his shame. God wants to remove some things today. And the next breath, God says, who will go and speak for us? And the man who's just said, my mouth is my problem, said, I'll go and speak for you. And God says, okay. I choose you. The Lord wants to choose you, wants to choose me today. It's time for the house to be clean. It's time for the house to be clean. You might say it's not a big thing, it's just a small thing. Anything. Your priorities. Knowing that God's been calling you to spend more time with Him, but you're busy and distracted. Repent. Just to change your way of thinking and to embrace a different way. How does Romans 12, 2 say that we are transformed by the renewing of your mind? Repentance. John the Baptist came preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is. That's good news, that's not bad news. Jesus came preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Acts eleven eighteen. Just a couple of scriptures, then I want to mention a couple of things, and we're going to respond to the Lord. Acts eleven eighteen. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, "So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance. What that leads to life. Repentance is a gift and a joy." Second Timothy two twenty five. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Second Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. How many people would like that? Anyone? That's just me. Come on, God, change the way I think. If that's, that's what repentance is. Repentance is not just trying to find some dark secret sin and say, God, forgive me. That's, that's a part of it. That's not what that is. It's, God, I turn my attention to you. And as I do, anything that would stop me going in deeper with you, oh God, remove it from me. Change the way I think about it. Even sin itself, it seems desirable and pleasurable for a certain amount of time, but it leads to death. Worldly sorrow leads to death. Godly sorrow leads to no regret, leads to salvation, leads to joy, leads to peace, leads to life. We're brought into a lie. God says, I want to clean house today and I want to move this church forward. I heard the Lord say, I want to move you forward today. I want to move you forward today. I, want to, I know that in my heart, in my life, too many times self gets in the way. Desire to be seen, notice, pride, lust. And I'm being honest with you, I need my mind renewed and transformed. Many times I know God says, I want to spend time with you, but I can't be bothered. I just don't feel like it. It's not that I'm doing something wrong. It's just that I'm not entering into what He's inviting me into. This is not bad news. This is not condemnation. This is good news. This is life. He grants repentance that leads to 
life. In a moment, we're going to Turn the keys up and we're just going to respond to the Lord. But you're not going to respond in your seat. You're going to get out and you're going to come to the front. Steve, I don't need to do that. Yes, you do. That's part of what needs to shift and change in our lives. It truly is. God, I want to accept you as long as I'm comfortable with it. No, no, no. Jesus says, you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, come follow me. Again, if we, if we can't come to an altar, you're not going to go into all the world. I heard the Lord say to me, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, don't make it easy for them. So I'm not going to make it easy. Not because I don't like you, but because I love you. And the world needs you. And the world needs this church to have Holy Ghost fire come again. But it comes through repentance. The gift of, He's granting you the gift of repentance. And anything that you feel, God, I just want to think differently. You might not even think of anything that you feel like you're doing wrong, but you just feel like, oh, God, I want to, I want to have your mind. I want to think differently. Then this, this response is for you. God, give me the mind of Christ. Lord, would you renew my mind, God? Some of us, God, would you even give me a desire to even want to spend time with you? God, would you give me a passion because I don't even have passion now. Just turn towards them and come in a moment on anything. And there's room, there's room. And if you come, you come right to the front. If there's not enough room, come up on here. Come up. You can't, I can't do that. This is, God needs to break something today. This is not sacred. Come up and get on your knees and have time with the Lord. Not for me, not with me, but with the Lord. But I hear the Lord say, I have to mention two specifics. And I've already mentioned them, but I'm just saying, I truly believe over this region there is a stronghold of disunity that needs to be broken. And many in this room, you've been part of fueling that and you need to repent. Disunity literally means disagreement and conflict within a group. That's what it means. Disagreement and conflict. And the Lord says in Proverbs 17, 9, whoever would foster love covers over an offense. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Let me ask you a question. Is, have you talked about someone in a negative way that has got, not, that has got nothing to, that you haven't gone directly to them, that person, and you've just been speaking about someone not in a way where you're calling out the gold and the purposes of God. If that's you, you need to repent. Because we need to break it over this region and in the churches. It stops today. I just hear the Lord say, how dare you speak against the brother that I love and died for. But Lord, you don't know what they've done. How about what you've done and what I've done? He who is without sin cast the first stone. The Lord used Peter and he mucked up all the time. The Lord used... James and John, and they were arguing who's the greatest. We're all flawed and we're all on a journey. How about a bit of grace and a bit of love that covers over rather than gossip and slander that just repeats the matter and separates the closest of friends. I'm going hard because this is not a game. And the second thing that there needs to be a repentance of and a breaking off 
and anything else that I've that God's stirring on you, there is a stronghold of lust over this region. When I say lust, you might think, okay, just sexual inappropriateness. Let me tell you what the word lust means. A longing, especially for what is forbidden. Desiring something that God says, that's not best for you. That's lust. You need, we need to understand we need to understand, the Bible says in 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. And don't confuse that because God so loved the world, He sent His Son. He's not saying don't love the world. God loved the world, He sent His Son. He says don't love the world as in you take on its nature, character, you fit into it and become like it. Amen. If anyone loves the world and loves what the world does and becomes like that, the love of the Father is not in them. Some might say that's not loving, it's truth. Therefore, it is loving. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. When I say lust, I'm talking about anything that is forbidden. And so I'm not talking just about bad things. I'm talking about anything that you desire that is not on God's heart for you. Come on, seeking certain positions or titles, seeking certain things, wanting that's lust. You want to say, no, no, Steve, it's not. This is what the Bible says in Genesis 2.9. The Lord God made all kinds of trees. Who made them? Say them again. Who made them? So are they good? Okay, God made the trees that grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye, good for food. That's the, the flesh, the appetites. In the middle of the garden, there was a tree of life, of the, the tree of, um, of the knowledge of good and evil. And in verse 6 of Genesis 3, it says, when the woman was tempted, when she saw the fruit of the tree that God had made, that God had made, it was good, was good for food, that's the lust of the flesh, and pleasing to the eye, the lust of the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, the pride of life, what I know, she took it and ate it. If eating fruit can be a form of lust, then how many people know that lust is much more than sexual desire? But I want to speak, I want to hit on that too. The Bible says not a hint of sexual immorality among you. Paul writes to young Timothy and says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, I want you to treat older men as fathers, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Some of us need to repent because that's not what we're doing. And there has been far too much inappropriateness throughout the churches as well in this area and it needs to stop today. Why? Because this is Jesus' church and He wants to come back for a church without spot or blemish. So to be clear on this in one last scripture, saying, God, what do you mean by the forms of last? Listening to, listening to and following another voice over the voice of God. That's a form of lust. It's longing for something that is forbidden. God says, no, no, no. You're created to be led by my voice, not led by another voice.
Desiring something for personal gain at the expense of others. I've done that. Things that I want at the expense of others, I don't care what they think, I want it. It's called the Judas spirit. What will you give me? It's called lust. It's called pride. Power, fame, glory, desiring to be seen by people more than a desire for intimacy with God. It's time to land. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, I wonder if you can turn the keys up a little bit. 2 Chronicles 7, 14 to 16. I invite everyone to stand right now. This is a time where no one should be moving, no one should be looking around. This should be you and God right now. You and God right now in this holy moment. God says, if my people, if my people who are called by my name, and I praise God you've been saved by His grace, but I declare of your life you've also been called by His name. And called by His name doesn't mean you just believe in the name of Jesus. It means you've been called by His name. The name represents the very person, the nature, the character of God. You've been called by my character and my nature. In this world, we are called to be like Jesus, to reflect Him. If we're not, we need to repent. We need to come and say, God, just cleanse me. God, renew me, strengthen me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. We can't be followers of Christ if we're proud. We can't be followers of Christ if we won't even humble ourselves and say, I can't, I I'm not going out the front. Let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, it's time to return to prayer, church. For some of you, the Lord says you need to repent of not praying, of not being a praying person, for not being a man, a woman of prayer, a young person of prayer, an old person of prayer. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. God is saying, I want to restore prayer to the church because the prayer in the church will actually prevail in the world. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Maybe that's your point of repentance. God, I haven't been seeking your face. I've been comfortable, confident with what I've got. Or maybe I've been distracted and so full on with everything else. God, I, God, I want to come back. If you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, says the Lord. But if my people aren't seeking my face, how can the world seek the face of God? And turn from your wicked ways, repent. Then, 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 when, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face and turn and turn and turn, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. Listen to this. And I will heal their land. We need healing in this land. Now my eyes will be open. My ears, says the Lord, will be attentive right now. Generations right now in this holy moment. In the balcony and the floor. 
Do not miss out on the balcony. Don't, don't, don't miss this moment. Come on. Now, now, now. My eyes will be open. My ears, says the Lord. I'll be attentive. I'll be attentive to your prayers. In a moment right now, we're about to go into this place where I'm inviting you to come to the front, flood the front, come up on the stage, come wherever in the aisles, but get out of your seat and come on your knees and meet with the Lord. If you can't get on your knees, that's fine. Stand, sit, whatever it may be, but don't stay where you are. I have chosen and consecrated this temple, you, me, this house, so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.